something exciting that happened. Maybe you heard for the first time that your grandchild was going to be born, or maybe you heard something different. Maybe you got your first job and you were excited to share with people what that first job was. Or maybe you've been working all of your life and finally you got to retire and you wanted to celebrate with others that you got to do that. As I think about that, I think of a couple of instances. I think of one instance where I proposed to Elizabeth and she said yes, and I was excited to tell people about it. I wanted to tell my family. I wanted to tell my brother and sister, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa, and I couldn't wait to tell them. I had to go tell them right away, right in that moment. Um, I also can think of a moment when I applied to seminary and I finally got in. See, I hated high school. I barely made it out. I barely graduated. And then I went to get my undergrad and I didn't like that either. Honestly, the only reason I got through my undergrad is because Elizabeth basically took two classes for me. And so, <laughs> and so I was really excited to share the news that I got into seminary because I wrote this paper about my philosophy of ministry. I didn't even know that you needed a philosophy of ministry. And so I was excited when they accepted me and said, yes, you can join this program. You can be a part of this. And yet again, I wanted to share that news with everyone that I knew that was close to me. But also, as we think of those exciting things, that exciting news, we also realize that there's a lot of bad in our world, that just in one moment we're excited about something good, that in, in, a, in no time at all we can end up in a situation that's depressing or frustrating or brings us anxiety. Things like maybe losing a job or losing finances or not being able to retire or things like that. Something that causes stress and anxiety. And we wonder how on earth can these two opposite things happen? How can we have one instance where we want to go and share that news with everybody and another instance where we just kind of want to go hide in a hole and not let anybody know what's going on in our lives? So this morning I want to look at a part of the letter from Paul to the Colossians to hopefully find some sense of understanding of the world that we live in. So I'm going to read from um, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that way may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. We see Paul opening up early in this section of his letter, saying that he rejoices in his suffering. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word rejoice, I hear of an excitement. I hear of an energy to share something. And see, we at the very minimum, he's under house arrest because of his bold proclaiming of Christ, the message of Christ to the world around him. See, Rome is afraid that he's trying to build this new kingdom, trying to take on the Roman Empire. And in a way, Paul is. He's proclaiming that Christ is king. He's proclaiming that Christ is the one true ruler of the earth and of the world. But we see that he's got this empowerment. He repeats over and over in this section that Christ is the one giving him that power. It's Christ that has called him to that mission. It's Christ that has called him to share that message with those people. See, Paul doesn't even know the Colossians. He's just heard of them. It's not one of his churches that he's talking to like some of the other letters. He's just writing a letter because someone came to him and shared about the Colossians with him. And so Paul takes the time to write these things down and to encourage them. But see, he's encouraging them about a message that to the Jews, it was hidden. To the ages before, it was hidden. This idea that this faith is for everyone. This faith wasn't just for the Jews. It wasn't just for the nation of Israel. Ultimately, this faith was for every single person in the world. And it all hinged on their understanding of who Christ was. It hinged on their ability to accept that, to trust that, to believe that, and to follow Christ. And so as we come to this section, we see Paul fervently sharing that message and trying to encourage the Colossians. See, the Colossians were in a situation like many churches today where the world is trying to convince them that the world really works this way instead of the way that Scripture teaches us. It's these ideas of spirituality, these ideas that if you do these things, you'll become a better person. But the reality is Paul understands in this passage that Christ is the only one that changes us. Christ is the only one that could do what we can't do. And so as I read this passage, it just encourages me. It encourages me that it's not about us. It's not about what we do. It's not about the checklist of things that are on our agenda. It's not about showing up on Sunday morning. It's not about going to a connection group. It's not about the things that we practice, but it's about who we're trying to encounter in those things we practice. See, I think we get hung up on all of the practices. Sometimes we even struggle to share the message that Paul is sharing. We we don't have that boldness. We don't rejoice in the suffering that we feel, mainly because we think that there's some sort of equation to make it happen. We act like there's a process by which we have to be saved, that we have to do X, Y, Z to get there. But the reality is Christ did all of that work. 
And so I think we get hung up on it. We don't know what to do. And this week, as I was doing some classwork, I had to watch this documentary about a little, um, a little town in southern France that was up on a mountain on a hilltop on a plateau during the Holocaust. And that little town had a pastor that came into town and preached to them and told them that if you, if you see what the Germans are doing as good, you don't really have the faith of Christ in you. And what's beautiful about this little story is this little town of about 5,000 people protected 5,000 Jews over the time of the war. And see, when they were interviewed and asked, why'd you do it? They didn't, they didn't say, like, out of obligation. They didn't say that they were trying to be good people. It was because that their pastor and them read their scripture and they knew that Christ wanted them to love their neighbor. No matter if their neighbor looked different or believed different than them, Christ called them to love those people. They also responded in ways of understanding that the Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament for them, these Christians, like the Jews were God's people. And so why would we, you know, hurt the people that God loved so dearly, just like he loves the Christians? And so they didn't ask questions. When Jews showed up to their little town, they didn't ask if they were Jewish. They just found them a place to stay. They just found them a place to be. And when, and early in that time period, early in their, um, of the war, the Germans kind of stayed out of the area. It was up on a mountain. It was hard to get to. It wasn't a place that they wanted to be. But by the end of the war, the Nazi, the Gestapo, the, the police did make camp in that city, in that little town of 5,000 people. And they never could really pinpoint or figure out where the Jews were. Because any time one of the police would walk up to one of the citizens of that town and they'd ask, is so-and-so a Jew? They would just simply say, I don't know. I didn't ask. And what's beautiful about this picture is that they just did what Christ called them to do. They called them to love their neighbor at whatever the cost. In the end, people got hurt in that town because of trying to protect the Jews. But they did it anyway because they knew that that's what Christ wanted them to do. And see, I think Paul understands this in this passage. See, Paul read the Old Testament. He was a scholar. He was a religious leader of the time. And so he understood this beautiful picture. He believed with all of his heart that God created this world and that he created this world with humanity in mind, that he wanted humanity to rule the world together with him, not by themselves. He didn't want them to be puppets. He, he wanted to walk with these humans that he created. He created these humans in his image. But in doing so, that meant humans had to have a choice. They had to have a choice to choose their will or God's will. They had a choice to choose what was good for them or what was bad for them. And see, Paul understood that. And Paul understood that humanity was led astray by the serpent and humanity chose their own definition, their own understanding of the world, what made them feel good over what God's intended design was to be.
And Paul understood and saw that God never stopped pursuing humanity. See, God being the creator could have easily just said, humanity, you made the wrong choice, live with your decision, you're going to die. You're not going to be able to be a part of this beautiful thing that I created. And yet God pursued humanity relentlessly. He did so through his promises to Abraham, his promise to the Jewish people, the covenants that he made with Israel. And when that didn't work, when humanity continued to choose themselves over God's will, he sent his son. He sent Christ to live and to die on behalf of all humanity, which just couldn't quite figure it out didn't really understand what was really good for them. See, Paul understands this. Paul understands that Christ came and died for everyone. He realized because Christ revealed himself to Paul, Paul understood that that's what it's all about. It's about understanding who took the punishment. It's about understanding what the world was really meant to be, how we were meant to interact and live and love and to to go alongside our creator and our king. And so Paul is persevering through pain in this passage. He's actually celebrating that he gets to be in that situation. He understands that Christianity isn't an easy thing. He knows that it's not going to be easy. He knows that there's going to be pain. He knows that when he's teaching other Christians that they need to know that it's going to be hard. There are going to be times that it doesn't make sense. There are going to be times that the world tries to tell you something that isn't true, that isn't found in God's truth and how he intended this world to be. And so he's trying to teach that to the Colossians. He's trying to tell the Colossians it's There's this beautiful picture, this wonderful thing that you get to be a part of, and I'm celebrating that. But you also have to become more mature. You have to grow in your understanding of this beautiful picture that's been painted. And so I think as we gather this morning, um, my hope is that we would find a way of understanding that the things that we do, the practices that we do over and over, coming to worship on Sunday morning, participating in Bible studies and connection groups, um, serving the world around us, serving each other, is all actually about Christ. It's Christ that's living in us that makes all of those actions possible. It's about us experiencing God just a little bit more. Those practices aren't to check off a list but to help us grow into maturity, to grow us into our understanding of who God is and how we relate to God, how Christ did what we couldn't do. And so I think we're all in a little bit part, different part of the journey. Um, Like some of us have already accepted Christ. Some of us have already been baptized. Some of us have celebrated that. Uh, But maybe we're in a rough, rocky situation. Maybe the the world seems to be kind of caving in around us. And so maybe we need to encounter Christ anew. And maybe that's through sitting down with somebody that can help or support us. Or maybe that's through um, prayer or opening our Bibles again and reading Scripture and relearning and rehearing this beautiful picture of what Christ has done of God's love for humanity, God's original intended design and his pursuit of never giving up on that.
Maybe you're in a really good place right now and you aren't struggling with that sort of stuff. Maybe you are in a situation where you, um, you've just got it figured out. You're going to worship every day, every Sunday. You're going to a connection group or doing a Bible study. Um, maybe you're serving in some way in our local community and maybe you love um, us in this church really well. Um, Maybe your next step to experience God's grace, to experience Christ anew, is to be like Paul to someone else, to take the energy and the effort and the sacrifice to share the love of Christ with someone else. I think there's lots of different ways that we do this. Um, It's really on my heart this morning that we take the next step with Christ wherever we are in our journey. I know we're all in different places. I know some of us have believed in God, you know, over 70 or 80 years of our lives. Some of us have only had a faith for 20 years of our lives. But others still haven't accepted or know who Christ really is in their life. And my hope is that this morning you would know that God loves you and that Christ brings you back into the beautiful creation that God originally intended. And that's something that's hard for us to grasp or to talk about, but we can. We can talk about it. We can share it with those around us. We can love people in our world so well that they want to know, that they want to know why we are the way that we are. So this morning, as you ponder where you are in your journey, I invite you to take whatever that next step is. Maybe you need to commit your life to Christ and to be baptized. So I want you to talk to someone. Talk to me this morning. Talk to someone else. Um, Maybe you were baptized. You need to recommit your life to Christ. It's been a long time. You haven't opened your Bible. You're, You're lucky to get to church on Sunday morning. Talk to someone in this room that's a believer. Talk to me. Recommit to what God has already done in your life and is going to continue to do. So as we kind of wrap things up this morning, as we take some time and listen to some music and to reflect, I want us to actually think of what's that next step? What is the next thing that you need to do with God? What is it that you need to experience his grace a little bit more clearly? To know who he really is. Not just just, um, going through the motions. Like Coming to church on Sunday isn't going to save you. If it's not with the power of Christ, go into a connection group or a Bible study. It's not going to save you. Go into the food pantry and serving the poor without Christ. It's not going to save you. It's not going to bring you back into the beautiful perspective that God has his creation, his design. So we need to take the chance and take the time to learn who Christ is to trust in Christ's power, just like Paul is doing in the passage this morning. Our faith should be big. It shouldn't be little. It shouldn't stay small. It should grow. Our faith in Christ should grow to the point that it's massive, that people have a hard time not seeing Christ and what we're saying and what we're doing and how we love the world around us. So I'm going to pray for us. You're invited to talk to me, talk to someone in your pew about what your next step is. What are you called to do next? Is it to serve someone? Is it to pray with someone? Is it to join a group? 
Is it to be baptized? How is God calling you to take the next step in understanding who he is and living into that grace? Will you pray with me? God, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you are our creator, that you designed this world with a plan in mind. You designed it so that we, bearing your image, would rule the world alongside you, that we would follow you and give you the glory, that we would live in this world that you designed, this perfect world that that had all of these plans and goals in mind. And yet we choose ourselves. We choose what feels right. We choose what we think is best instead of leaning into who you are and how you created this world to be. And so we're incredibly thankful. We're humble and understand that the only reason that we can be restored to you is because of the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that we get to trust in that. We're thankful that we get to have the power of Christ in us, that we get to love the world around us in a way that the world doesn't understand. Even in the middle of a pandemic, even in the middle of life struggles and death, you call us to yourself through Christ, and we have that available to us. So Lord, would you put on our hearts what the next step for us is? How are you trying to grow us into maturity? Help us to know what we need to do. Help us to know where we need to go. Allow us to see your spirit and to hear your spirit and to follow with our entire hearts, with our entire being, with all that we are. Lead us deeper into our relationship with you so that we can be restored to you and live in your creation as you always intended it to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.